my imagination. I... I can remember her. When I think hard enough, I feel like I can almost see her. Just the basic features, nothing more. She was a Hopkinson. Or... Did she have another name? When did she leave me to my grandfather? It's just... It's right there, and yet it's so far out of my reach. This is Paige Hopkinson reporting from the Royal Grace with some... News, I suppose? I don't really know how to feel about anything that has happened on this night. It was all just... So much. As you know, I left to go find the Overton's airship and confront Jonathan once and for all. Well, left isn't really the proper word to use. More like, uh, snuck out. I knew that everyone's would stop me, and it felt so personal. Not that I had held that right alone. Jonathan did, after all, hold Abatha hostage, but Alex doesn't seem angered with me. At least, I don't think. Actually, it's quite the opposite of what I expected. I don't think I've ever seen Clint so furious. He's the type who's silent and glares at you with obvious anger. And no, not disappointment, anger. I felt fortunate to have grown up here. I used Angelics for most of the travel, but when I did land to scope out the area, the unruly jungle was no surprise to me. <laughs> or Rick's. Yes, that's right, he went with me. Such a good little protector, you. I found a light in the jungle, and I know it wasn't a nomadic group. Who would light a fire in the jungle? Just make it easier for predators to find you. Lucky me that Jonathan is a complete and total amateur. It didn't take me that long to find them. And once that was done, Rix and I scoped out the area from the shadows of the trees. I made sure to watch this time. Any sense of unease and I would have flown right out of there. I was worried that the men in mask would be around, but luckily it looks like Jonathan finds their presence just as terrifying as it is. There were guards, some workers repairing the ship. They were loud and they all seemed like they belonged in the workers' district, which meant I knew how to fit right in. I walked into the campgrounds, picked up a repair kit near me, and acted as though I belonged there. They didn't suspect a thing as I walked into the ship. Heck, I don't think they even noticed I had a cat with green fur. Or perhaps he just blended in with the background. The ship was large, but I was sure to keep my wits about me. I walked down the narrow halls, past workers' sleeping quarters, and then towards the top of the ship. The halls began to grow wider, and the furnishings more lavish. I knew I'd found Jonathan's room when I saw a lone door at the top. One that would have had a view of the docks below. I walked in, and he was waiting for me. Surprise, surprise! He even said to mock me. He was sitting in an office chair, his back to the large window, his hands folded on the desk. I closed the door and held up my ray gun, Rick's by my side, Angelic's on my back, and a stubborn bravery in my heart. 
Thinking back now, though, it was more foolishness than anything. I asked how he recognized me. He said I'd looked like her. The brat that ruined so many plans in the past. The brat that didn't learn how to play the game. He asked if my last name was Hopkinson, and I nodded. He said he'd always known those two would end up together. They were both troublesome for the aristocrats, I suppose. My parents, that is. My hands were shaking. I hated that the only thing I knew about my mother was from a man I despised. A man who conducted deaths. I asked him if he hurt her. Alma? He asked. His smile wicked. It was the first time I'd ever heard that name. Or perhaps the first time in years that I'd ever heard of it. But in that moment, I could remember what she looked like. The eyes. The hair. It all came back to me. I wanted to know more, but then... Something unexpected happened. The window behind him shattered as a woman crashed through the glass, swinging from a cut rope. Shouts could be heard from the outside area. I, audio diary, if you could see this woman, she's extremely frightening and yet beautiful at the same time. I stood in absolute shock. I mean, not only had I not expected a stranger to burst in at that moment, but I didn't expect it to be this person. She had long dark hair that fell into sea curls. She was extremely tall and extremely limber. A fighter. But audio diary, she had scales. Gray scales covered her body, shimmering a film of blue and green in the light from the chandelier swinging above us. Like a cross between a shark and some other aquatic creature. Her eyes were slitted in a dark green color, like the pit of the ocean, and they were filled with a dangerous look as she bashed through, tumbling to the ground. She was quick to get up and hiss at the man before her, her full lips pulling back to reveal sharp rows of teeth. Jonathan was terrified. You! He screamed at her. Clearly this had not been his first run-in with this girl. She smacked at his response and pulled out two daggers from her leather belt. She said something about not letting him get away this time, and then she lunged at him and managed to stab him in the shoulder, while Jonathan tried to roll out of the way. I just sort of stood there, with my ray gun pointed uselessly. The door behind me was thrust open as the guards had rushed in to aid Mr. Overton. I turned back to see they'd managed to push her to the ground head hitting the corner of the desk and black blood leaking from her hairline. I rushed to grab her hand and told her to hang onto my shoulder, Rick safely in my arms. She looked at me, still a bit out of it. I was worried she'd try and slit my throat with the single clean dagger in her hand. The other still lodged in Jonathan. But she didn't. She seemed to know I was her best option. I hadn't tested it, audio diary. But the latest upgrade I'd given to Edgar's wings was to hopefully hold a second person for a short period of time. This feature was meant for Abatha, but I suppose, well, this worked too. With her on my back, I took a leap of faith out of the window, Angelic's extending and holding so far. 
As we flew off into the night, we heard the shouts of Jonathan's people below us. Guns firing and the threat of cannons. That never did come, though. We landed once we were safely away from the Overton ship. Angelix took some damage, but it isn't as bad as I suspected. Besides, at the moment, I was more worried about the woman in front of me. I was worried about her injury, but equally as worried that she would try to hurt me. I turned to look at her, her dark eyes staring at me with curiosity. She asked why I had helped her, and I said it was because we clearly had a common enemy. She asked for my name, I gave it, and then I asked for hers, and I suppose today has been full of surprises. Audio diary, her name is Lonnie Cadwell, the daughter of Matthew Cadwell and Kai, the sea sorceress. I still don't know what the last part means, but I did know that I needed to get her back to the ship. I asked if she'd go with me. She was cautious, but when I told her that there were two Cadwell brothers on the ship, well, she looked like she was a bit more willing. Or maybe not. I couldn't really tell. It was dark and she's half fish. Well, I suppose you can put together what happened next. We got back to the crew, who were all searching for me, apparently. I scared the living dickens out of them with Lonnie by my side. And then, when I confessed my guilt and retold our story, well, it didn't make things much better. I couldn't tell if Alex was impressed or if they wanted to kill her. They didn't say anything. They just walked away. I think... I think it may have something to do with their family being slaughtered by the dwellers of Cecilia. But I think Edgar's taking this even harder. When I said that she was Cadwell heir, and that she had a mother, well, let's just say Edgar isn't doing too well. Ernest loves Lonnie already. He hugged her and everything, although she almost stabbed him. I help prevent any injury, don't worry. But, well, the fact that Lonnie isn't human and has a mother, it means that Mr. Cadwell, Matthew, was unfaithful to Edgar's mother. I really do have to wonder what on earth Lonnie's mother looked like, but right now I'm more worried about the lad. He wasn't happy with Ernest either at first, but I suppose he figured as long as Ernest was a carbon copy, it wasn't all that bad. Bad, but not as bad as having a love affair, I suppose. I haven't seen Edgar since I told him. I worried about him, but I know it's probably best to leave him alone at the moment. It was shocking, I mean, how could it not be? And despite Alex clear distrust, Clint said it was okay for Lonnie to stay on the ship. So I suppose we'll have some time to let this stew. I haven't really told anyone about my mother just yet. I don't know how, or even who to talk to on the matter. It took me a long while just to talk about it to you, Audio Diary. It's late here, 
or early, depending on whether or not you've slept. And I haven't. The sun will come up soon enough and we'll go searching for the Overtons again. Or perhaps not. I don't think Lonnie managed to kill Jonathan, so we're going to have to try harder this time. And this time, I hope I can find out more about my mother. About Alma. I... I should sleep. Or at least, try to. Good night, audio diary. Bosch and Brave was written by Ashley Glenn, voiced by me, Clover Grayson, and brought to you by Blackmore Productions. Love listening to tragic adventures? Follow Blackmore on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes for more episodes. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr, or our website at blackmoreproductions.com. And guess what? We have a Patreon page. Want to support all the amazing people at Blackmore? Donate today and receive exclusive material from our fish tank to yours. Blackmore. Swim against the current. <laughs>